0: This is Mountain Meister, and I am your host, Ben Shank. Did you ever hear that quote, do what you'll love and you'll never work a day for the rest of your life? Today's guest from episode number 60 lives that. You'll hear the enthusiasm in her voice, quite possibly the most enthusiastic Mountain Meister yet. Mountain Meister is the podcast that explores topics which transcend sport. Things like overcoming adversity or the rewards of stepping outside of your comfort zone. Today we explore finding what you love, but that doesn't have to apply to just a crazy cliff-jumping skier. How can this help us? You're about to find out. Welcome to Mountain Meister.
1: Who are the Mountain Meisters?
0: Committing to the
1: goal and galvanizing you and your team behind that one single focus. Being at peace with that fear and being okay with it. You gain a real appreciation for your life and for what you have. Learn about their extreme lives on rock, snow, and ice with your host, Ben Shank.
0: Hello everyone, welcome to Mountain Meister, this is Ben. Hey guys, it's Russell. Today on the show we welcome Rachel Burks. Rachel is a professional big mountain skier based out of Salt Lake City, Utah. She has been featured in films for Teton Gravity Research and has spent time in the competition circuit winning the Red Bull Cold Rush in 2012. In 2013, she started Female Wolfpack, a website that serves as a platform for inspiration and a way for female athletes to get eyes on their videos. Rachel's story has been featured in ESPN, Powder Magazine, and other publications. Rachel, welcome. It's great to have you here.
1: Hi, I'm happy to be here. <laughs>
2: Yeah, Rachel, we're really excited to have you on the show today, and from what I've seen doing a little bit of research, people say you're pretty much the best woman who does flips off of cliffs, and I know that you (laughs) want to say that you're one of the best athletes that does flips off of cliffs, so we'll get into that a little bit later, but people are usually shaped by the way that they're brought up, and it transfers over to what they're like as adults. So what happened in your childhood to make you want to front flip off of an 80 foot cliff?
1: <laughs> I don't know if anything necessarily happened when I was a child. Um, I guess I just, I watched other people do things like that. And I just decided that it wasn't, you know, I watched a lot of guys do it, you know, and I, I wanted to, to show that girls could do it too. And basically, I don't know. I mean, my dad's pretty crazy. You know, he had us out and he always told us that pain is weakness leaving the body. So <laughs> he had us out, you know, running around in the mud, mountain biking before there were mountain bikes. Um, he wanted to get us involved in skiing. So we'd go to the ski grab and whatnot and grab like, you know, used boots and skis and whatnot. And he'd take us out on the weekends and basically kind of had a like a little bit of a suck it up mentality, you know, like Hey! <laughs> oh, you have a boo boo. Well, you'll be fine tomorrow. You know, <laughs> ice it, elevate it. You'll be fine. But really, I don't. I don't think I. Don't, I have no idea where. I don't know if it really is like nature or nurture with that. I just. I really enjoy like doing flips and jumping around. I'm super hyperactive, and I don't know. I guess it's kind of a crowd pleaser too. You know, like mm-hmm. just doing a little you know, backflip off of like the side of a boat or something like that is always like, whoa, what is she doing? You know, and especially for a girl. So I really, I always like to, um, I I just, I knew I could do it. I'm comfortable in the air. And it's fun for me, too. It's a little bit of a rush, you know, and I enjoy that. So um, I don't know. I just like getting upside down. And I really like to show that girls can do it, too. You know, so
2: I feel like we were very similar growing up because I like to be a crowd pleaser. I like to do backflips <laughs> off of everything, yeah, except yeah. I don't think it works as well for men. Because all the girls call, or actually in sixth grade, they had this uh, uh, what was it the uh, the graduation books that they gave us or whatever, okay. yeah, yeah. and everyone got to be the best at something. Superlatives—that's the word you're looking and for. So the nomination that I got was the best bragger.
1: Oh no, <laughs> the best, bragger. and that's
2: like totally changed my perspective on just like everything, but. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh no i'm just I'm glad
2: that you didn't have such a traumatizing effect because then we wouldn't be seeing these awesome videos of you going off cliffs
1: so. well, I definitely didn't no I wasn't doing many you know flips when i was when I was younger that oh, kind of okay. came that came a little bit later, but had I been doing that, I'm sure that I would have received the same rapport. <laughs> I am so
0: glad that Russell just told that story because I'm not gonna let him live it down. So. <laughs> Anyway, wow, Rachel, you, you aren't doing flips as a hobby. You're doing it for a living. Did you know from the get-go that you were going to be doing this kind of stuff?
1: I mean, I guess I love being on top of mountain, on top of like the, the house. I'm the one that's like, hey guys, you want to go drink a beer on the roof? You know what I mean? Like I've always been like, hey, can we get a little bit higher? You know, if there's a better view up there, whatnot. And then once you're up there, you start looking down, being like, I wonder if I could jump off. <laughs> you know, like. Uh, and so I don't know. Like I've always loved jumping off of cliffs into water. Um, mm-hmm. Love it. Loved the high dive. Loved. Like bridges, jumping off of bridges has always been something really fun. I remember being like in college, we went on a, a retreat. I went to SMU for a couple of years and we went on a a weekend fun trip to Arkansas and there was we got a houseboat and whatnot. And I remember being on the houseboat and going under this bridge and being like, Stop the houseboat. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I want to jump off the bridge, <laughs> which which uh, was a pretty big bridge. Once I got up there, I was like, whoa, this is woo, this is going to maybe keep the arms in. This is going to hurt you. Did you do but, it? I don't know. Oh, yeah. No, I did. And and the next day we went under the bridge, and I remember looking up and being like, whoa, whoa. It's <laughs> a pretty big bridge. But um, I don't know. So I'm comfortable jumping off of things into water. And snow is sometimes even softer than water, believe it or not. And this guy, he was a fellow competitor. I ran into him at a competition at Crested Butte. And then all of a sudden, I saw him on the on the, in the tram line in, in Salt Lake City in, uh, up at Snowbird. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I was like, Billy, what, what are you doing in Utah? He's like, well, I just moved here, you know. And um, so he and I ended up kind of being partners in crime. And he loved to jump off of things. And Julian, I grew up with Julian. He, you know, I mean, he got he got a name for himself out of jumping off of really big cliffs. So I have these two homies that I'm with like all the time we're connected at the hip. like Julian's like a brother, Billy Poole and I like lived together, we, we we worked together, we were super homies and we um, would just I don't know be, I'd be standing on top of a cliff and I don't think many girls, I've had ski buddies like that that are just like crazy freaks of nature when it comes to jumping off of really high places in the snow. And so they were kind of my, I don't know, they like trained me a little bit. And that was, that was really fun because Julian, we'd be standing on top of a cliff and Julian and Billy would be like, yeah, you got this, Berks, you got this, you know? And I'm like, I look over the edge of like, oh, I don't know, man, and, and, and. And Billy's like, yeah, you should probably backflip it. And Julian's like, Yeah, you, you need you need more speed too. And I'm like, Oh, you know, like But then when you get you get to a place where you push your comfort zone and like you have those two as co- like you're confident with them, they do it, they have an art behind it, they get it, you know. And they're telling what you, you what to do, you trust them, and you can kind of play off of that. And once you see what's possible, it's like, it opens a whole new, you're like, okay, I did that. I'm okay. That was crazy. I can do better next time, you know? And so you just keep pushing it a little bit. And, and, uh, and I, I was actually working construction with Billy one summer and this is before I'd ever done a back off pop of a cliff. And, um, we were living out, we built this like crazy, whatever we were living on the construction site. And so at night we'd go to the, um, the like rec center, which had a high dive and like a dive session, you know, like from, you know, like, eight to ten you could jump off the high dives and just go crazy and do whatever you wanted to um diving session and i remember he was like burks i know you can do a backflip off the side of the pool get up there and do a backflip off the high dive and like a gainer you know a gainer oh, a, okay. yeah a gainer and I, I remember it took me you know like a full day like oh I don't know, you know and i finally with him being like you want this you know i remember doing it and the feeling was so cool. And they ran, it came up, I was like, Yeah and he looked at he looked at me and he's like Yeah, Burks, that's gonna look pretty good when you land it in the snow. <laughs> and and he said that to me. He's like, I I know, I know that that you that's gonna look good. Like that looked good. I could see that with skis on, that's gonna be awesome. And I felt that in the air off the high dive doing a gainer, and then I was like, Okay, I could do this into snow and so that's how it all happened. So
0: <laughs> Wow Okay. Yeah. My heart is just beating so fast right now. Right? <laughs> it's unfortunate that you don't really sound very passionate about this stuff, I know, I know.
1: Well, I'm a little caffeinated too. So.
0: <laughs> if you'd like for our listeners, if you'd like to hear about what exactly is going through someone's head when they're going off of a 200-foot cliff. I would recommend listening to Julian's episode. Rachel, before you mentioned in this, uh, I noticed this, you said that sometimes snow is softer than water, if you can believe it or not, and Russell and I do believe it now because we saw a video of you, and you actually told me that you're embarrassed by this video, but it's out out there, and we're going to have to address it, so you're going to have to deal with it. So, for our listeners, what's going on is that Rachel is skiing at Grand Targhee in Wyoming, and she's having a great run, a ton of different cameras on her. She's got a GoPro on. There's also kind of a, a distant perspective so you can see her entire we call ski that, We
1: call that a burby angle. Uh,
0: oh, a burby <laughs> angle. Thank you. A
1: Barbie angle, yeah.
0: <laughs> and... They put together this nice video. She's going off all these little mini cliffs and turns, and then it eventually leads to this big finish, which is a really, really big cliff, if you could have guessed. So Rachel launches off this big cliff, and to use an analogy, in golf... Sometimes we call when there are really wet conditions and your ball comes down, your ball gets plugged in the ground because it's so wet. Except in this case, Rachel happened to be the golf ball, and she got (laughs) plugged into the snow all the way underneath. So you literally could not see Rachel. She just kind of disappeared
1: You know, it's funny. Um, It was definitely an interesting experience. It was. I couldn't move. Uh, The only thing I could move was my hand. And luckily, because I, you know, I I had safety. I knew I had someone coming. I Mm -hmm. had eyes on. I knew. I knew that everything was going to be okay. And they tell you, like, when you're under the snow and you can't move, to just not breathe too much. You know. Well, (laughs) I like get under there, and my first thing is, is wow, I can't move. I'm like, "Mm, just don't just don't breathe too much. You know, you're under the snow, you're going to be fine. Someone's coming. But then, you know, like everyone can prepare you for that, but it's kind of like in surfing, they're like, you know, you go underwater and everyone's like, oh, just go with the flow. Don't fight it. You, you're, you're wasting energy. You'll surface in a second. And then you've reached that point where you're like, I can't, breathe. I can't breathe. And so you just start like you tense up and you start wiggling around and gasping for air and so I reached that point was kind of like "Ah," you know like full on "Ah," panic I can't breathe and so I realized that I couldn't move anything but my um my hand my right hand and and my fingers which obviously meant that it was closer to softer snow Uh that was closer to the surface right and so I started kind of digging digging a little hole for myself and I was able to kind of dig a little air hole I couldn't Uh move anything else but I could kind of like Popeye breathe out of the side of my mouth. And that was, that was fine. But I, it just ended up being, I ended up being under there a little bit longer than I, in my, I mean, in my head, you could watch the video. The first thing that I say when I, when I get dug out is, Oh, I'm so sorry. Please let me go back. Please let me go back and do it again. I'm so sorry. Like the only thing I was thinking was, it was actually had to do with, you know, being a female and, and being, like I was given this opportunity to film on a permanently closed peak. And that is in the ski industry. That's a big deal when a ski resort is willing to work with you and, and open a peak that's normally closed like a hundred percent of the year mm. to an athlete because they think that that footage is going to be great. And, and to be, I was the only athlete there that day. Mm. And that was open for me, a female. And here I am, scaring the bejeebies out of everybody. I mean, like, everybody was scared. The pe- the people that actually ended up digging me out were, like, on a hike and saw it happen and, like, raced over to me, you know? And I just felt so guilty that I had scared everybody and that I'm the first girl that they let do this, and here I go plugging myself. And so they, like, they let me out, and I'm so sorry, you know? And so they, you know, in my head, I kind of thought that I was under for, oh, gosh, like, three minutes and turned out I was under for like 11. So it didn't really, I went back up and I did it again. It really didn't like affect me until I saw my helmet cam footage and actually counted how long I was under the snow. And that's the next day that was kind of made me a little like, Oh gosh, like that could have, if I hadn't had an air hole, I might've been a little bit bummed about that, you know? (laughs) So, (laughs) so, but anyway, you know, like, That, that happens. The snow was so deep that day. It was so deep and I just needed to go faster. And I landed kind of right. I I stopped up right before I hit it. And, um, I knew that I actually, what happened is I, I was offline. So you, what, all you can do when you're skiing and skiing something that's you've never skied before is get visual targets. So you you imagine in your head you're like, okay, I'm going to start here, but it's going to look totally different when you're on the slope, you know, than when you're inspecting it, you know, from the Barbie angle and whatnot. So you have to have like little visual, like, okay, I'm going to be, I'm going to be, I'm going to put my right shoulder on that little twig, and then when I go over that rock, my left shoulder is going to be on that, and then right when I go off, you're going to want to be by that one little bush, you know. Mm-hmm. And so you you tell yourself that, and you can see in the video like I I'm going down, things are going well, and I start. And I look to my right and I'm like, oh, that's where I'm supposed to be, darn it. You know, I'm like, oh well, oh, uh, well, oh, uh, well, dropping, you know. <laughs> so so I'm like, here goes nothing. So if I hadn't stopped and like and, and realized, like if I hadn't stopped, I saw that I was offline, so I kind of second guessed myself and and that was where I went wrong and, and, and it was my fault and I still feel bad about it. But anyway. I'm okay, and it's fine, and it was really, really, really deep snow, like really, really deep, and you know what's funny? Julian came up the next day. He was filming, too, with TGR the next day, and I told him, like, Jules, man, it's, like, super, super deep, you know? Like, you jump off of a 100-foot cliff here, you're gonna gonna go far into the snow, you know? So we were super careful about we had tons of safety so he jumped a hundred footer that next day and we were all really close to where he would land just in case he did need to get dug out but you know what's funny 24 hours later like one day later the snow had settled just enough that you weren't going in as far. So it was soft. He he had a great run. He popped up, he skied out, you know, and the day before I just freaking disappeared, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it is what it is.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's, it was pretty funny in that. Well, not funny, but it was, <laughs> I was pretty intimidated to have you on the show when you're screaming at the people. Don't push snow into my air hole. And they yeah. didn't hear that clearly. <laughs> She's I, was yelling at like, us. <laughs> I was like, Oh no. But yeah, that was crazy. And you, you do these kind of things all the time. This isn't just some random thing that you decided to do. And as you said, you're one of the first female, you feel all this pressure. Does that ever affect you that you feel like you have to go bigger than you're comfortable with?
1: Mm-hmm. No, never at all. No way. I, and not, not at all. I look at things and I'm comfortable with them maybe before some other people are. Like I, I it's that whole jumping off of things and knowing that everything's gonna, like I jump off of, big things I'm comfortable up high that's not the issue (laughs) you know that doesn't scare me you started
0: to say and everything's gonna be all right are you (laughs) sure are you sure about that
1: (laughs) not not always but but frankly I mean I'd rather I'm way more comfortable jumping off of a cliff and and going upside down than I am in some of the lines that I skied in Alaska this this winter you know I mean that's a whole nother can of worms that's I mean, you've got slough just barreling down on either side of you that'll take you out and sweep you eight hundred feet down down a, a face. You can end up dragged over rocks, cliffs, into seracs, huge crevasses, like and it's steep. There's snow variability. There are things that have never ever been skied before. You know, like I'm way more comfortable standing on top of a cliff. Billy, Billy Pool, actually, my 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 buddy that I. Learned with, he actually passed away six years ago. But I still have him, and I still have Julian, like here, like with me. And I'm comfortable. I know that. I mean, they, they, you know, I was a little like pedal one learner, you know. Like I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable on top of cliffs. I don't mind that. It's the other stuff that scares me. It's yeah. really, truly not the cliff that scares me. <laughs> now,
0: this might be a little obscure, but there is this fascination with, you know, mountaineering getting as high as possible. Why isn't there the same fascination with getting as low as possible? Well, I, I don't know. For it, What do you mean? For, like, deep divers? Yeah, there's, there's it, not nearly as much. I feel like there's, there's m- quite a few. much more. Uh, well, why don't we see... So, for example, with Everest.
1: I, I, can, I, I can answer that question.
0: Absolutely. Go. <laughs>
1: okay, the, the answer to the question is that it takes... Oxygen training and a human capacity to get to the top of Everest. It takes all sorts of technology and pressurized, okay. like mechanical instruments to get you down lower and lower and lower you know Mm -hmm. you can't as an individual decide to do that you have to have financial backing to make some crazy pod that's gonna be able to you know what I mean like that's a totally different can of worms you know and I'm sure someone out there you guys should do some research if someone's probably getting into getting low out there you know there
0: are people getting low in fact (laughs) I watched a 60 minutes about these deep divers and this is incredible how deep they go and they have to what I thought was really interesting is When they go down all the way, and they do it human-powered. Oh, are you
1: talking about those guys?
0: Russell, I'm not sure if you've heard this before. They have to pass a mental examination when they get to the surface. And all you have to do, like three consecutive things, really simple tasks. And people's minds are so skewed because of the pressure and the lack of oxygen that they can't touch their nose, make a sign with their hand, and do something else in a certain order. It's incredible.
1: It is Um, incredible. mm -hmm. And how insane to train yourself mentally to, like, have a subconscious, like, a post-consciousness really desire to make it back to the surface and to go lower than anyone's ever, ever gone before. Yeah. That's fascinating.
0: It really is incredible. It almost makes me feel minimalized <laughs> doing this podcast, but that's a different What <laughs> 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 anyway you
1: start training then <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> anyway let's move on and we want to talk about the female wolf pack what is female wolf pack and why did you start it
1: i think that there's something to be said about if you see it then you know you can do it you know and and the idea is that there are a lot of women out there that are totally getting after it and would like to maybe make somewhat of a career out of um out of independent action sports. I just feel like their, their, their vessels for visibility are, their platforms for visibility are maybe a little bit, uh, there are less opportunities for visibility for women, I think, than men in independent action sports at this moment. So the idea is to just give women a platform. It's free. You make an awesome video, like just make a little video of yourself. Nowadays, everyone has an iPhone, a GoPro, some sort of little digital camera that'll 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 produce a video image right Mm -hmm. and all you have to do is put together like if you're doing something cool if you i mean even like filming your your seven-year-old daughter hitting a jump or something like that you know just feel good girls getting after it in in cool different disciplines and whatnot um make a little edit and then you could submit it to the the website and then you could have A chance at visibility next to maybe a professional athlete. So it's amateur and professional, Mm -hmm. and it's just designed. It's visual content only. People, people don't get online and read as much anymore. They want to listen. They want to see. And so what it is is there's there's no there's no commentary. There's no like thumbs up, thumbs down. There's no. I don't want any opinions. It's just visual raw content you can formulate your own opinion you can you can comment on it somewhere else whatever the point is is that it's just video content you can go to the website and just check out girls doing crazy things like base jumping um kite surfing rads skateboarding like i'm telling you i've showed the website to so many people and they're just like i didn't even know girls could do that you know <laughs> and that's but that's the idea right, you yeah, know? yeah. And, I, and i and and i um i'm not i'm not miss like you know oh well women are the exact same as the men and they i i I just think personally that i mean i I am not denying any sort of, you know, there are physiological differences between men and women, but there are also places where that like gender separation, if you will, like the disparity between female and male athletic representation could be like minimalized, like, or at least broken down a little bit. So it's not such a, like a huge disparity between the two. Like, I I just believe that if women saw other women doing stuff, you know, they're like, oh my gosh, wait, Rachel's doing a backflip off a cliff. I can do that, you know? And then all of a and there are tons of girls doing backflips off the cliff and they're probably making me look like a complete pansy but that's the goal is to like generate those ripples you know throw the rock in the water and be that first person or second person or whatever the visible person to to inspire and to like have those ripples touch women all over the world and inspire them to do things that they might i mean who knows maybe it's someone you know sitting inside in Missouri that just sees a random video of a girl going kite surfing. And she's like, gosh, I really want to do that. And then she makes it happen. That becomes fulfilling for her and, and it becomes something that she might be really good at and she seeks out and, and does a lot. And that, that contributes to gosh, I mean, happy people, you know? So I don't know. I just think that the idea is to just inspire and to give women kind of a chance at visibility. And it's, it's just sometimes not quite as easy to, to get there as a female. so But if you see someone else do it, you're like, well, if they can do it, so can I. You know what I mean? So that's the idea.
2: Yeah, it makes sense. And Ben and I are always thinking about these things as entrepreneurs. We started this podcast, so we're always wondering, you know, how does something like this get started? And we're digging a little bit and we found that you actually, as a professional athlete, to be in some of these top-notch films, you have to pay somewhere around $10,000 you have to have your sponsors pay just to be in them. First you have to be awesome and they have to want you, but then you also have to pay, which is so unbelievable. Well,
1: no one, no one knows that it's kind of like the, the forbidden, like no one talks about it because (laughs) everyone just really wants to be in the movies. And the fact of the matter like the true, okay, I, I've, filmed all season this year with um an all women's ski movie called pretty faces that's being produced by Lindsay dyer and unicorn picnic productions um she is making this is basically like her deal and i went through a lot of this this year and realized like the ugly truth to, to like everything is that this whole sport costs so much money mm. and to get i mean to get everything in place to get Something like a big line on film, especially in Alaska, you need helicopters, you need cameramen, you need a guide, you need a heli pilot, you need a, a still photographer, you need all of the training that you like backcountry training. All of these things cost money. The filmer needs to get paid. The heli pilot needs to get paid. The ski guide needs to get paid. The skier is trying to, to trying to get paid. Like. And then all of this, like you need insurance to make movies and whatnot. So I don't think that, that big movie companies are some big bad enterprise. I think everyone's just trying to make a profit somehow. And the fact of the matter is, is it's so expensive to make, to produce, to create, that that it's just it's just a super expensive process. And and yeah, I mean it's really hard as a skier because gosh, we don't get paid to be in the movie. And yeah, we're taking a pretty big risk. And, and we're trying so hard to make our sponsors happy, but also to get backing from our sponsors to get in the movies, to then like recreate, regenerate the same thing for next year, the same paradigm for next year. You know, it's just, it's a very interesting, it's a very interesting deal. But I, I definitely think it's important to say, to know that all of the skiers that are shown, all of them, that are shown in big mountain settings like extreme skiing settings on any movie not none of them are paid by the movie company <laughs> to do that you I know think that's like, the
0: most absurd thing ever honestly <laughs> I, I i was not expecting i mean it's like actors paying to be in a movie and, and that's
1: exactly that's exactly what it is right and
0: and if you look at the film industry as a whole most of the funding is obviously from ticket sales right for going to see the movie or, or people buying a DVD for the movie. And if this industry is not economically viable, if the actors need to pay, I, I don't know, should this even exist?
1: Yes, because because it's it's making this isn't a blockbuster hit, it's a small niche audience of people that are super passionate about skiing, snowboarding, snow sports, and it's a small little niche audience. And it's super hard to relate to because it's so crazy what people are doing. And so that makes the audience even more nichey, you know? Mm-hmm. So they they call it ski porn, you know? <laughs> it's just a tiny little niche audience. And so you're not making money with tickets sales and blockbuster hits and you're trying to just make enough money to make another movie the next year because you're so passionate about it you know like that's that's what it's all about and we're all living I i am not complaining and no one in my industry has a right to complain about a thing we are so lucky to be able to like my job is to fly to Alaska or to drive to Revelstoke, British Columbia or Japan or Europe and ski, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's the coolest thing in the world. I don't, mind, I don't mind paying for it. You know, I feel lucky and privileged to be able to do it. And I think that's why it's kind of gotten away with being what it is. You know, it's the same as like, you know, working as a ski bum at, at a ski resort, right? Yeah. If you're a lifty or I worked rentals in retail, you know, like I fit people in boots all day. Like I, like. You you do it and you get paid nothing, but you have you get a ski pass and you get to be outside in the mountains all the time and it's just kind of like you're happy doing it, and all of us are, and all of us, even the people that are making the movies, you know, they they love it too. So it's 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 hard, but it's just the reward is just so overwhelmingly good, you know.
2: <laughs> yeah, it goes to show you how needed the female wolfpack.com <laughs> is true. too. You yeah. know, it's, it's true because it's yeah. providing way more opportunities for especially females to be making these videos i think it's a great niche for you to have and also going back to people aren't growing up with julian carr they're not like they're not that lucky like some people are but they don't have those kind of people around them in most cases so it also provides more role models and it shows How important role models are in your life growing up to become the people that you want to be. So,
1: you know, I really appreciate you saying that. I think that the word role model is kind of tossed around and 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 oftentimes like either belittled, like oh no, come on, or or vice versa, given too much power. You know, like people people think that like oh role models don't really everyone is is an individual and and do role models really have that much? prowess do they really have power to change and affect people or is it just media saying oh well we need positive role models out there you know like do does the individual really have the power or is there some truth to like being a role model and i really want to believe that that there is a power to being a role model there is something to be said about having a responsibility to the next generation and 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 recognizing that and embracing it and and hoping that i can be proud of being a role model you know like i hope that i inspire a little girl or even like a little ripping boy to just go and 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 I, you know and do something that they love to do but you know, recognize that it's not always about yourself and it is about like the next generation and the power you have to be a role model. Like, do you know what I mean?
2: No, it's totally true. And it's interesting the way that I felt when I saw you go off these cliffs because it, kind of, it made <laughs> me want to go off the cliff. I knew that I probably shouldn't just because I think not, but it made me feel like I could do it. And we could just talk On and on about this. I'll keep an eye on Russell this afternoon (laughs) to make sure he's not doing anything stupid. Yeah, Yeah. so um, since we have you on here, you're such an expert in the industry. And since our listeners love this section so much, could you give them your favorite piece of gear that you would recommend for them?
1: Yeah, um, this is kind of a gear recommendation that pertains mostly to um, people that would ski. It's funny, you can have all of the gear that you need in the world, right? You can have great skis, phenomenal ski boots, great, like, Gore-Tex gear, and, and, and you could be the perfect temperature outside. You're not cold, but it, the elements are cold and whatever. the The thing that you rely on the most when you're outside in the elements is visibility. And the second that you have visibility problems, you can't do the sport anymore. It doesn't matter how good the skis are. It doesn't matter how good the, the gear is. Like, if you can't see, you can't ski, you know? <laughs> and same with snowboarding. And so um, I actually ride for Smith Optics. I have a pair of goggles that I love. And it's funny cause I have lots of friends that ride for other companies and I'll be, I mean, these are professional skiers that are dealing with visibility issues. They can't see. They're like, Oh, i got to change out my goggles. Oh, I got to change out this. I got to change out my lens. I got to do this. And, and I'm sitting there just loving life because I have no issues with my goggles and Smith optics makes a women's specific goggle. That's frameless. It's called the iOS. It is awesome. You can interchange the lenses in like seconds, I could do it on the ski lift with cold hands, bam. And I have like a a lens for a super sunny day or a low visibility lens for a super rainy, snowy, windy day. Um, and I love that I can actually see, um, (laughs) it just, I'm, I'm telling you, it makes so much difference. It's amazing. The blackout lens is awesome. 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 For sunny days. It's just, it's a great lens, so I would highly recommend the IOS Smith goggle for women it's great. it fits your face pretty well like, I don't know it's just a great goggle and I could always see and I can count on it so
0: awesome. what a great recommendation. <laughs> we will throw that on your Meister profile page, Rachel, on our website Thanks. and to wrap things up, I think it's pretty clear, like I said that you're passionate about this and you're energetic. What advice do you have for people who are looking to find this passion and really make it their lifestyle?
1: Okay, well, my advice is is simple. Well, it's easier said, <laughs> easier said than done, but um, it doesn't matter if it's skiing or if it's dance or gymnastics podcasts. or podcasts. It doesn't matter what it is that you love to do. My bit of advice is to do it your own way. Don't look at pre-existing like paradigms don't look at the way anyone else has done it. Don't be confined by you know restrictions on um, well how do I become a marketable individual don't don't fall victim to that like think about your sport, think about your passion think about what you want to pursue and don't look at like say well yeah marketing don't look at yourself and say, okay well I need to be, Uh, My brand needs to be marketable. Therefore, I need to do X, Y and Z to become more marketable, get more followers, do more, you know, because then this company is going to want to take care of me. I would encourage and and really, really challenge anyone, male, female, doesn't matter, to to do it, to break the mold, do it their own way. Don't fall into the trap of what's going to make everyone else happy, what's going to make this work and how am I going to gain sponsors and whatnot by getting the most followers and whatnot, like just really, truly do it your own way. Stay true to your passion, stay true to what you love to do. And that's, I think that that's more important than things that you don't necessarily, like That don't have to do with being a professional skier or dancer or podcaster, you know, Mm -hmm. stay true to to what lights you up and and do it your own way. Great
2: advice. Yeah. Yeah. Ben and I will probably have to write some of these down for our own growth uh, <laughs> the podcast. I don't but. know;
1: it's just tough because with 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 media the way it is now, and with social media the way it is now, you know, you become a brand. You're you guys are a brand, and you ask yourself, okay, well, how are we going to reach more people? You know, and and obviously, like Facebook and 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 how many followers you have on Instagram, and whatnot, like that that becomes something obviously, to think about because that becomes a selling point for your brand. But at the end of the day, you know, like, I think women especially get maybe more followers, more supporters when they maybe exploit femininity or they become kind of super sexy and a professional athlete you know what I mean and 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 the truth is is that I just you know you look at it and you're like wow well they have more followers like should I do it that way just do it your own way like stay true if that's what you want to do then do it but like stay true to what you believe and, and the reason that you get into it in the first place you know what I mean
0: yeah we, we probably have to apologize to our listeners that we don't have any visual content because I'm sure they would love to look at Russell and I <laughs> the whole time let me tell you We're- your
1: pants off. Russell Russell looks good
0: right now.
2: But. I'm actually, I've been wiping away the tears the whole interview because I've been laughing so much. Uh, it's been great to have you on the show.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. You guys are great. And I'm actually looking at a photo right now of you, Russell, and it's a lovely photo. You're gazing into the distance. I always so. ask Russell, what are you looking at on your Skype picture, I was looking Russell? at the,
2: uh, I was at a fair and I was looking at the <laughs> basketball game where they bend the rims, trying to figure out if I could win a big teddy bear for my fiance.
0: Oh,
1: Wow. that's probably a weird uh, story. You look like... Have you ever seen the surfer on the news? The, <laughs> you look like the surfer on the news talking yeah. about the best ever. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to check
2: that one out. I haven't seen it.
1: All right. Well, you guys have a great day. Thank you so much for having me on your show.
0: Hello again, everybody. Thank you for listening to that episode, that throwback episode with... Rachel Burks number 60 in the archives I hope you enjoyed it also at the end there you heard Russell mention his fiance well that is no longer his fiance because it's his wife congratulations to Russell and Alana the newlyweds for those of you new with Mountain Meister our guests used to have to deal with two of us asking them questions now it's just me firing away but good news because I can ask twice as many If you like the sound of my voice just as much as I do, there's a really easy way to hear more. Go to iTunes and subscribe to our podcast. Your phone will automatically update the newest episode every time we at Mountain Meister release one. Seems easy enough, and it is completely free. Thanks again for tuning into Mountain Meister, and until next time, I am Ben Shank.